Welcome into another exciting episode of the Losing Sucks Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Dustin Blanton, along with my co-host, as always, Travis Masterson. What's going on, man? We're talking tight ends today. Episode 6, football, baby. Tight ends are a big part of football, so I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, some of them are. Some of them are very big parts of football, and the other ones don't matter at all. All. As we will see very shortly. Yeah, man, I got to tell you, so football's kicked off. We are recording this on Tuesday, August 10th. We are post-Hall of Fame game, and as you all know, nothing has changed. Not not a thing has changed. Nobody got hurt. No, no one got hurt. There was a little scare with Chase Claypool, but other than that, no big changes. Big man, he's fine. You know, monitoring, yeah, monitoring you know, Twitter and everything like that. Same stuff as always. But we kind of stumbled upon some fun topics to get to talk about here in the next few episodes. Just a super flex mock. That was an absolute dumpster fire for me. <laughs> you recovered. It It's fun. Yeah, I recovered a little bit. Uh, go back and listen. It's a good listen. Um, but other than that, man, I got to tell you, looking at a bunch of these guys that we're going to cover today, we're looking at tight ends. I am completely wrong on a few guys. I like standing up for a a few of my favorites as well. But this is a fun experiment to go through because it's kind of teaching me that I am irrationally high on some of these guys just because, like, I've got them in other leagues or, you know, they've been good for me in previous years. And looking at the data, looking at what the numbers are saying, I understand now kind of why you know these guys are going in the rounds that they're going what are some things generally that you're seeing some things that you're kind of interested to learn when you're looking at the numbers I think you're right in saying that you're too high on certain guys for whatever reason I think that's natural in fantasy football if you have a few early drafts or you've got history with somebody and they helped you win a ring your initial thought is that guy's great he's a real winner he's been there he's he's helped me achieve this before so he's better than the other guys which is not the case and you're not a homer for the Lions. In fact, they're an interdivision rival. I don't understand the love for a guy like TJ Hawkinson. I do understand the disdain for a guy like Tunyon because you're a Bears fan, but why do you love Hawkinson yeah, he- and Swift? You're, you're a big uh, Lions fan under the table. You would think, not knowing who I am if you're in a league with me, you would think that I am all about Lions. Because I I tend to to stand a little. This bit. is not new. No, I I, I tend this to. This is years deep now. I'm, I'm definitely a DeAndre Swift stand. I I love me some T.J. Hawkinson. I'm not going to I'm not going to secede the po- I'm not going to secede the point that Hawkinson is a bad tight end because he's not a bad tight end. Looking at the numbers, I want this to be more you know just kind of a an overview of what we're seeing because if I wanted to hear a calculator talk, I'll just do that. What the numbers are telling me is that Hawkinson is is still pretty good. He's just being overdrafted. He's being drafted past where the opportunity cost, um, I think, has kind of caught up with people to a place where, you know, I wanted this to be a big argument. I wanted that go, coming into this, this, uh, this episode, I really want to tell you, no, you're wrong. But as me and you kind of got into talking a little bit, what we're, we're finding out is that TJ Hawkinson he won't kill your team. Looking at the numbers for TJ Hawkinson, all he does is gets targeted in his offense. He's not like a, a Travis Kelsey. You know, he's not going to be a guy that's that's going to put up all the targets in the world. Um, Travis Kelsey, of course, last year, almost 150 targets. Two tight ends 
in all of football are going to have that volume, him and Waller. But Travis, after that, he's he's still over a hundred targets. What what is your main contention with with Hawkinson and and where he stands in the fantasy landscape? I think he came out of the gate a little hot. People got excited, and then that has not died down, even though the numbers have. So there's two things that I saw when digging up some information on TJ that were season-long stats, which was sure he's outside of the top six in yards per game. And I, one of my philosophies across fantasy football for position players is I will take yards, give me the guys in between the 20s that are getting the work as opposed to, oh, well, when they come in the red zone, that's when he's the biggest threat. That's not something that I've ever banked on because there's four or five other guys on the field that can get that touchdown. And if you're banking on that as opposed to the 15 looks for a position player over the course of a game in between the 20s, then I think you're making a mistake. Mm -hmm. The second stat is he was outside of the top eight in touchdowns. So saying he's got significant red zone volume, they're looking for him in that area, even if that's true, he was still outside the top eight compared to other tight ends in touchdowns. And then I refined the search a little bit towards the back half of last season. Sure. So week eight on, people developed this, he's a target hog, he's a target machine, which is not true. He was not in inside of the top six in targets per game over the back half of the year either. So I don't know what all the excitement is about. And one thing that you said when we were talking earlier was, I think part of the positive of drafting TJ Hawkinson is the consistency that he gives you. Sure. And if you want to touch on that a little bit, that might help level out the argument. But just based on what I saw when digging up the second half of the year and even some full season stats, he wasn't what even I had thought that he was last year. Yeah, I can admit that I I am high on him just because I know that he is a special athlete. Um, he's not quite, you know, this Kyle Pitts level athlete, but he offers everything you want in an, in an NFL tight end for an NFL team. He's very valuable. He's always going to be on the field because he can block. He's one of the best blocking tight ends and he's used in the red zone. Uh, he's using the red zone a ton. He had 17 red zone targets last year, which I mean, that's, I'm sorry. He had, uh, he had 12 red zone targets last year, um, seven receptions, but he's used one when they get down there a couple, a couple points towards that though granted this is not a team this year that is probably scheduled to make a bunch of trips to the red zone it's gonna be ugly but they weren't they weren't that last year that's true that you know and true. he still he still finished you know as far as fantasy points per game and you just you just laid out second half of the season was kind of a, a down portion of the season for him you know not seeing those targets inside the top eight i think uh, or top six, rather, he still finished as points per game as the number 10 tight end, um, which overall, I think he finished as the tight end seven. With Even with that being said, he offers something that you're looking for in that position that you don't really find outside of the top three guys, and that's consistency. So we're looking at his volatility and value, the inher- inherently why you're taking him, or why you would consider taking him where you're taking him is that he's not really going to kill you, but he won't really win you a week very often. I think looking at his finishes, he only had seven games inside the top five tight ends. Looking at the tight end landscape, talking about top five 
is like talking about top 12 in wide receivers. You know, if I were to sit here. Yeah, that stat that I gave on the uh, tight end 15 on the back half of the year was incorrect. But even that, though, like you're really looking for them to finish in the top five. After that, they don't. He's not offering, you know, a ton like 8.5 points last year on a given week could have gotten you as a top 15 tight end. You know, eight points isn't nothing, but it's not going to win you a week. Right. It doesn't hurt you, though. No, we can kind of explain, though, the volatility rating that we're using to base this conversation on, at least base my point on, is that his lows aren't really super low in in terms of how often they're occurring. And they're not, you know, and his high doesn't ever get, like, so high. The difference there between his highest and his lowest and the consistency there enough is kind of what that volatility rating is. He consistently gets you you know, his average points per game, which is right around 10 points a game, which is what, you know, what you want in your tight end, because you don't want those games where the tight end gets you one and a half, two points. Cause there's plenty of tight ends as we can. It kills you. Yeah. We can look into where more often than not, you know, three, four games in a row, they might only get 20, 30 yards and two targets a game. And that's not TJ Hawkinson. I think he only had one game where he had two targets. The rest of it, you know, he, he had almost three games of 10-plus targets, or two games of 10-plus and then one game of nine. He's getting you those games where he's usable. You know, he's getting opportunity. And again, with most other positions, but especially tight end, if he gets touchdowns, you know, I talked about his usage in the red zone where he had 12 targets, but, you know, he had six total touchdowns. That was ninth in the league. Whereas you got a guy that we'll talk about later, you double that, which is doable in any given year for a tight end. And all of a sudden you're talking about a top three, top five tight end. It doesn't take much. You can argue for and against. I like TJ Hawkinson. I think there is a world where he sees that big target volume because you you look at the weapons on that team. And of course the first, the first thing on your mind is, Oh man, he's, he's going to see so many targets. Well, Last year was his highest target share, and he had 18%. That was good for 10th in the league. You can't necessarily just bank on him getting those 120, 150 targets like a Kelsey Waller-Kittle. Even if he does get the 120-ish again, it's hard to expect a significant increase from that number. I think the increases that are worth noting are guys that are going from 50 to 60 into that 80 to 90 to even 100 range. Right. I think... Guys that can go from the 60 to the 80 to 90 range are Tunyon and Higby. I think they can climb into that range, whereas Hawkinson's leap from tight end 5-6, I don't see it being there. I don't, I, don't, I don't know where the ceiling is compared to last year. Asking yourself where it comes from is a fair question. Yeah. Because with Hawkinson finishing as, what, the, the tight end? We, we could take a look, but fancy points per game, he was a tight end 7 last year. Asking, all right, well, there's this hole in his game that he's going to improve on this year. If you're saying that it's going to be target volume and asking him to go above 25%, you know, 22 to 25%, where it's not impossible, it's not, it's probably not likely. Is he going to get, he had 100 targets last year. I think it's probably unlikely because if I'm, and I ask myself this too for other positions, but if I'm the defensive coordinator and I'm playing against the Lions, the first thing I'm doing is saying, all right, my best player is on Hawkinson. You're going to have to beat me with Tyrell Williams, Perriman, and a rookie. 
because we know Hawkinson can ball. There's no denying that he's a good player. He's a great athlete. He's not going to be the one to beat us. Sure. So I don't know that if he's the focal point is necessarily a great thing for him. Kind of like when you have a second receiver, the first receiver is taking the number one corner. They're giving safety help. Sure. That second guy can eat a lot of the time because he's going against the guy he's better than. And then that guy leaves, and now you get the number one corner, and it's not always the same. I I have contentions to that. I mean, just knowing how defenses work, a guy, you know, a team isn't just going to see that the, the, they want to pass the ball to TJ Hawkinson and put, you know, if they're playing the Chargers, you're not going to say, all right, Derwin James, your job is just to shut down TJ Hawkinson. It doesn't work like that, you know, because you might have a couple plays where you have drawn up for TJ Hawkinson and you know that put them in a position where they have to decide between an under route to a guy like Amon Ross and Brown or a, a check down to, to DeAndre Swift. And you can, there's so many different concepts, you know, we're not going to go over all the different concepts, but there are ways to get TJ Hawkinson open. And more often than not, you can, you can position him where he's lined up against a, a linebacker or he's in line and you're not going to have your safety when you see TJ Hawkinson in line to block. And then he, you know, comes out for a route. There are ways to get. I don't know. I I think that we do see that. I think we see sure that with. But you're already top seeing corners, that. whether it's Ramsey or Gilmore. Like you see that with Kelsey. You saw it with Ertz in 2018 and 19. Um, people were following him all over the field. But the question you have to ask yourself though is that is what is he do? What is going to what coverage is going to change for him that isn't already happening right now? Because right now, I mean, he's he's already one of the the their first reads like people already know he's on the team you know that's true I don't know that the change from Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola to Rashad Perriman and Amon Ra is going to be a big difference I, I agree it's not it's not a significant personnel change to where they're like okay now all we have to worry about like, he was pretty much all they had to worry about anyway sure Marvin Jones still found a way to be to be a top 20 right but yeah I agree I mean to sum it up, I think I agree with you that Hawkinson is a consistent, good tight end. I think he's going to probably finish in that five to seven range again. Yeah. It'll be hard. It's hard for me to fathom he jumps into that three or four. It's not impossible. He could do it. Um, but yeah, that kind of segues us into is he worth it at that ADP, regardless of where he finishes? Right. And let's look at, at where he's at going. At his ADP, I think it's it's not probably not yeah, worth it. Because he's so. going in the fifth round, which... Yeah, it's too high. You're talking. I mean, him and Mark, An he and Mark Andrews are are going in the fifth round, and again, we know just based on roster construction that tight end consistency is a great weapon. It is good to have that that one piece of your offense that you don't have to worry about. You know, I I typically like to go. You know, uh, I like to have a tight end on my team that I know isn't going to screw me over. With that right. being said, last year I was getting T.J. Hawkinson in the ninth and tenth round. That's not happening, you know. If I, if I'm yeah, so one of the one of the exercises that we're gonna do today. Yeah, let's let's fire uh, it up right now. Let's, introducing this. Let's fire it up this right now two because I like doing two it. deal. This has been something that we've done all off season when we're discussing the value of a guy at his ADP. We're comparing a two versus two. I'll start this one with Hawkinson and Jarvis Landry. Hawkinson, James Connor, Hawkinson, Curtis Samuel. That's the type of player. The Landry, Connor, Curtis Samuel, Kenyon Drake. That's the combo you're going to get if you go a Hawkinson in the fifth, as opposed to, and here's the other two, Robert Tunyon. What you get in that place where you would take Hawkinson is a Deontay Johnson, 
Ayuk, Cooper Cup, Lockett, or Kareem Hunt. All of that whole group, in addition to getting Tunyon, is so much better than Hawkinson and the Jarvis Landry, Kenyon Drake group. Well, sure. Let's let's go ahead and slow it down real quick though, because we just went over a lot of names, and I really want to I want to pry open this this practice because we just mentioned T.J. Hawkinson. All right, so if we take T.J. Hawkinson in the fifth round, at, you know, right at his ADP, we just took a tight end in the fifth round. Whereas you know we're trying to compare if you take him in the fifth rather than take Tunyon at his ADP right now, where T.J. Hawkinson is going, the wide receivers available. You know, like you said, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Lockett, a running back like Kareem Hunt. Whereas you just said Tunyon going, um, let's see where Tunyon's going. Tunyon's going about almost the tenth, um, ninth round almost. Ninth round, yep. So over there, you're you're talking, if you want a wide receiver, you're talking, what, you said Jarvis Landry, maybe, I mean, Maybe a Michael Gallup, a Michael Pittman. Are you take these are guys that are not in the league of the Deontay's Brandon Ayuk Cup? No, they're not. They're not a Deontay Johnson. They're not even a Chase Claypool, in my opinion. You know, you you've got you just mentioned Tyler Lockett. Are you going to take T.J. Hawkinson on that offense? We we just threw out a bunch of stats for him over a guy, you know, that might not be all that dissimilar to TJ Hawkinson in Robert Tunyon. Again, Tunyon going in a st- better offense yeah. with more scoring chances with He's a going better quarter. 40 45 picks according to Sleeper ADP later than TJ Hawkinson. You have to ask yourself then, what is the what's the difference between Tunyon and TJ Hawkinson? Um about 1 point per week, maybe. But not last year. Because Tunyon was better than Hawkinson last year. Exactly. I'm sure there are going to be people who are listening to this who will see Tunyon's numbers and be like, oh, well, he had 11 touchdowns. Absolutely. That isn't, that for all intents and purposes, that is probably an outlier season. Probably going to be the best touchdown total that Tunyon will ever see. But he is still tied to Aaron Rodgers. Now that Rodgers is back, he is most likely going to continue building on the season he had last year. He had They're buddies now. They are. He had he had sub 60 targets. He had 50 59 targets. And looking at the stats last year, of the tight ends that kind of were in that I'll call it the Tunyon zone, you know, right right around 50 to 70 targets, to improve on those targets or to to the tight ends that did improve going from around 60 and up, the the Titans that improved were Hawkinson, Noah Fant. These aren't bad names. Heck, we've we've been talking about these tight ends who you want consistency from. I mean, that's what you're looking for, right? I just at the end of the day, you're 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 consciously de- uh, making a decision to take a Jarvis Landry or Gallup type player over a Cup, Lockett, Deontay, Ayuk player, and that there's just no way that. It's worth taking Hawkinson at his ADP when you're making that decision between that tier of receiver. Yeah, I mean, you could you Not could realistically me. still get TJ Hawkinson like production from a Robert Tunyon, and still have you could have TJ Hawkinson and Deontay Johnson essentially in theory when going Robert Tunyon or a guy we recently you know just kind of stumbled on and and I, I like him now more than I did coming into this research is Noah Fant. Again, tight ends are are they're kind of fickle because they are yeah more or less. 
again, you just kind of laid out the landscape of the tight ends and how they're only separated by, I think, between the tight end, what is it, tight end three and the tight end like 20 or something like that. It's a difference of three points. Less than three point per game difference. Less than three points. Tight end three so to tight end 20. That whole group, 17 players, is within three points of each other per week. So is it possible that Noah Fant has a couple multi-touchdown games? Absolutely. Is that upside there? Absolutely. Yeah. Where are these guys For going sure. in the draft? They're going They're going super late. They're going super late in the draft. You know, I'm talking 10th round. There's no reason to take Yeah, there's no reason to take a tight end before you've taken every running back or receiver that you really like. Yeah, Noah Fant going in the 9th round. Logan Thomas even, granted, he's probably going to see a dip in targets. But ninth round, a, a guy we've talked about in our first episode, the the first ever workhorse tight end, Tyler Higby. <laughs> the one and only. He's going in the, well, about eighth round, ninth round. And these are guys that can produce, like TJ Hawkinson, might not see the target volume. Um, Noah Fant could see. Even if Hawkinson beats all of these guys out. Sure. It will be by less than two or three points per week. You're not going to be – most likely not, not going to be killed. A guy that I'm super interested in, though, was – you know again, just mentioned it was Noah Fant because of the consistency rating that I just mentioned. He has a very similar consistency rating to TJ Hawkinson. I would say that that offense is going to be in a better position than the, the Lions offense. Granted, I don't want to hear – the too many mouths to feed because you know what you want you want those red zone opportunities you want you want to be in scoring situations you know Noah Fant had three touchdowns last year he'll be good I, I'm a I'm a fan of of Noah Fant's too three touchdowns last year you know what else he had it has to he go also up. had the same amount of red zone targets as T J Hawkinson yeah it has to go up there's there's gonna be a positive regression there he scored the same amount of fantasy points per game as T J Hawkinson he had a, a larger target share than T.J. Hawkinson. I love T.J. Hawkinson. Don't get me wrong. Yes, you do. But if I can get T.J. Hawkinson, if I can get T.J. Hawkinson five rounds later, please be good at fantasy football and don't don't do it. Just fall for the trap that you see that name. Of, this is not a bash on T.J. Hawkinson. This is not saying he's bad. This is not saying don't draft T.J. Hawkinson. If he falls a couple rounds, absolutely pick him up. But in the fifth round, when you can get guys like a. If a Cooper Cup is still there, which he on a lot of drafts he has been, guys in the fourth, late fourth round, you know something happens with the Mari Cooper. You know he could fall to the fifth round. Robert Woods could potentially be there. Like guys that have significant value, much more valuable. You have to take those guys at the, at their cost because the chance that you can replace T.J. Hawkinson's production is much higher than the chance that you can replace a Deontay Johnson a a Cooper Cup a Tyler Lockett it's it's just that's what the numbers say that's being completely agnostic of any feelings that I have again we have had many conversations I love TJ Hawkinson but looking into these numbers I feel like I would be in a better position not taking him at his ADP get the next TJ Hawkinson get get Noah Fant you know, get Noah Fan, get Robert Tunyon, get Tyler Higby, these guys that can produce like him, and save yourself. Irv Smith. Exactly. Don't, no, no. There's a <laughs> lot of guys out there that are going to finish within two to three points of Hawkinson. Uh, did you say Irv Smith? He will finish less than three points. Based on the numbers that we've seen the last few years, 
these guys he, are finishing less than two to three points per game. Sure. Then the number three tight end. And Hawkinson's not going to be number three. That's probably one point per game. Yeah. I mean, Irv Smith's going in the 11th round. That's incredible value. Sure. I mean, Adam uh, Adam Troutman, probably one of the most consistent tight ends. Yep. That's a guy, looking at him, boy, oh boy, you talk about a guy in line for an uptick in work. Adam Troutman could be who you want TJ Hawkinson to be on his team. You talk about no target competition. They have one guy that was drafted in their wide receiver court right now. That's Kawan Baker, who's not even one of their top two wide receivers right now. Right. Michael Thomas isn't going to play for like half the year. Maybe, maybe he doesn't play at all. Who knows? But you're talking about Adam Troutman probably has ju- – who, who, what offense would you rather have? The Saints offense or the Lions offense? Saints. Sure. Give me a Sean Payton. Every day. I mean, I don't care if it's Jameis, Taysom Hill, with or without Michael Thomas. That team's going to move the ball. Give me that offense all day. Yep. For sure. So we're kind of we're kind of working bottom up here, which is going to bring us to the question, is Travis Kelsey in the first round smart? Well, because you see his ADP now at 6 or 7 overall, and I want to take a look at it was really interesting. I want to take a look at his price. And what does that cost you when you're passing on a top three receiver or running back at that spot? Let's look at it. Sure. Let's let's look at it. So you're talking ADP. Right. And But not just ADP. I mean, in the mocks that we've done, in the real drafts that we've done, Travis Kelsey has gone six or seven overall pretty consistently. I, I, have, I have gone Travis Kelsey in the first round quite a few times. So I'm here to tell and, you why you should not. I mean, hit me with, I'll hit you with some, some things that I really like about him. One, the positional advantage. I just mentioned he gets 150 targets consistently, right? And or at least over 120 targets consistently. This is a guy who is their number one target. If you want to call Tyreek Hill the the one B or one A, you know, I'll give it to you. But being the go to target for a Patrick Mahomes offense has its advantages. His touchdown total throw it out the window because the guy gets enough volume and. Let's I you know I want to take a look at how many touchdowns he had last year, because touchdowns again fickle stat. You could go from eleven touchdowns to seven touchdowns, whatever you want to call it. But you're taking this guy in the first round, Travis. You, we were talking earlier today, and he scored and I believe it was was it half point PPR scoring. He scored like he was like the running back four, um, scored as much points as the running back four would, and you're taking him in the first round. Now, with that being said. You are giving up a running back one or top three receiver to draft him. What this means, and this is a, a position that you're actually in one of our leagues, Travis, is that you your keeper in this league is Patrick Mahomes, which the way we do it, you're going to have to keep him for a third-round pick. And we kind of went through the, the thought experiment of, okay, well, what if you take Kelsey uh, in the first round? You have the 1-7 the in, in our draft. What if you take Kelsey in this round and then, you know, you pair him with Mahomes? Suicide. Well, what does that mean for your roster? That means you're not going to have – you're either going to – you're going to have to wait until the fourth round to get either your wide receiver one or your running back one, which, to be honest, you'd probably be looking to get your wide receiver one in the fourth round, which could be Amari Cooper. It just pushes a lot of pressure onto your – you have to hit on these later round guys – you have to you have to hit on your fifth round guy because that's going to be your RB two most likely. You know you have to hit on your sixth round guy, probably going to be your your wide receiver too. Again, Travis Kelsey is a huge positional advantage, but in the first round, 
I, I don't know that I necessarily am all for it. He is a huge, huge positional advantage. I would say in your position, don't do it because you're giving up a third-round pick for a quarterback. Right. But I think on his own merits, yeah, If as long as you structure your first four rounds around Travis Kelsey, he's a huge advantage because you have – you could essentially have a third, fourth wide receiver on your team starting guaranteed to put up five to six more points than anyone else's tight end on any given week. Yeah, on average, he he can give you six more per week, which is huge. What I did was the same two versus two game, and I think it would be good for us to put these uh, these situations in a thread so people can read them on Twitter. It may be a little bit easier for the visual learners. Yeah, we've got Thread Thursday coming up, man. It's going to have some tight end specific information coming out. So the first one I did was Kelsey versus Tunyon, the guy we've been talking about. And I understand that Tunyon has had, is coming off of a, a ridiculous 11 touchdown year, an outlier. There's always somebody like that. It, you can't always hit on the same one. But like I said, right. the tight end three, which was Tunyon, to tight end 20 are all within three points per game. So my argument still stands using Tunyon, which I'm going to here. Kelsey and Zach Moss, which is the same round as Tunyon, are 22.18 points per game. Let's just say 22 points a game. Okay. Where you are taking Zach Moss, you could have taken Tunyon. And where you are taking Kelsey, you could have taken Devontae Adams. In the first, at the seventh overall pick, if you go Adams instead of Kelsey, Mm -hmm. and then you get your tight end late in Tunyon, you're at 28 points per game. So you're six points per week less going Kelsey, even though you thought Kelsey's six points per week better than the rest of the tight ends, which can be true. But the difference between a Devontae Adams and the 10th round player like Zach Moss or Gallup that you're going to get is insane difference. Sure. So yeah, it's the Kelsey side of that one, the, the second example I have with Kelsey is, let's say that you wanted to go with a, with a tight end a little bit earlier. Let's say you go Kelsey and Jerry Judy, and Jerry Judy's about a ninth-round pick. Okay. Those two together were 24.4 points per game. We'll say 25 points a game. We'll just round up. Okay. Logan Thomas, I believe last year's tight end seven, with Tyreek Hill, if you're taking Tyreek Hill at that seven overall in the first round, and you're pairing him with a late tight end like Logan Thomas, you got 26.5 points per game. So you're two points per game better with tight end six and one of those elite receivers so that's that's two examples of guys that were not drafted in the top five tight ends are not being drafted in the top five tight ends and are still out producing the kelsey combo because of what you're having to pay for kelsey right but the i i would say the positional advantage i understand but it's not as big as people make it out to think because of the difference in the Zach Moss versus Adams or the Judy versus Tyreek Hill. Right. And don't get me wrong. Like we've talked about the consistency. We've talked about um, target volume, the Logan Thomas. So you're talking about how he finished last year. I mean, obviously this year not guaranteed to finish how he did last year, Um, you know, on their own merit. But you can keep going down the list. I mean, you can go from tight end three, probably even up to tight end 10 or 12. You combine them with a Tyreek or Devontae Adams from last year, you're still outscoring a Kelsey and Moss or Judy or Gallup. Even like a guy like Gesicki. He's coming he was tied in twelve in two thousand nineteen. And I think 
seven or eight, somewhere around that range, maybe six last year. Mm-hmm. There's a list of tight ends that are literally all the same when it comes to the price you're paying for Kelsey being worth a Tyreek or Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones, those type of guys, Zeke Elliott, all those six or seven overall guys. When you pair them with a mid-level late round tight end, you're going to have a better combo. So what about this? What if, what if you took Devontae Adams and Noah Fant? You know, Noah Fant going in the seventh round. You know, that would give you some solid production. Whereas if you were to go Travis Kelsey and then try to get a wide receiver in the seventh round, you're looking at a guy like Robbie Anderson, or you're looking at a guy like, you know, Debo Samuel, maybe Jerry Judy, possible that Corlin Sutton falls, any of these guys sounding okay around that area. Yeah, I mean, that gap gets... The closer you get to a tight end that's going in the 7th, 6th, 5th round, the smaller that gap gets between the Devontae Adams plus that tight end and Kelsey plus Zach Moss. That's why we're saying, wait, wait, wait. They're all the same. You might as well get them in the 10th. Right. And you can get you can get a Robbie Anderson because you won't need a tight end there. You're going to get him in the 10th. Sure. When you're going to be thinking about Brandon Cooks. I mean, I mean that's that's fair. I would say that drafting Kelsey, though, gives you such a large positional advantage, though. I mean, the dude is a lock to, to finish any given week. You know, He is. He's as safe he's as a, they He get. is a wide receiver one. Like, no doubt about it. Or like, RB1. You, you're getting that one. production. Like he, Last year, he would have been the RB4, I think, in a, in a half PPR. There's a reason he's going that high. He's going to produce like those guys, which, again, it's not to say you, you, know, you shouldn't take him in the first round. I think I don't know. I think I might fall on the other side of that. Where I I would feel comfortable taking him in the first round. The looking at his finishes last year, they're just ridiculous from weeks. You have to hit on the guy that you're getting in that late round. The Zach Moss, the Judy, the Gallup. You pretty much have to hit on that guy. Or I mean, obviously, we're not talking about roster moves, whether it's free agency or trading. That changes everything. Just draft alone. Sure you kind of have to hit on that late-round guy, whereas tight end, you don't because they're all the same. So you brought up Zach Moss. So what if I Zach Moss might not be someone I'm targeting. If I'm taking Travis Kelsey, maybe I go running back, running back right after him, get myself uh, Antonio Gibson, then followed up by Chris Carson and you know David Montgomery. And then you know, there are plenty of running backs then, you know, or wide receivers and running backs that I can still pair you know, maybe I don't look at Zach Moss because Zach Moss, where is he going right now? In the tenth, you you just brought him up around in the tenth round, sure. So you may not want him there, but uh, you know James Connor's going right right around that that area. Which uh, James Connor and Zach Moss are probably going to be pretty similar. Yeah, they very well could. You know, you're talking Leonard Fournette goes you know seventh round as well. Again, it's it's a good exercise to see like if you're looking to if like if you're trying to compare him to Tunyon. If you're trying to make the case like I'm I don't have to grab a Kelsey, I can grab a Tunyon. If you have a tight end in mind, then yeah, look at their ADP, kind of compare, all right, if I can wait down down here, here's where I'd be giving up, here's what I could get. That's a good that's a good thought experiment to do. It's just hard to make a case against Kelsey when Yeah, I I I'm never going to be angry with him on my team. I just think that the advantage that he that people think he's giving you, they're not talking about the backside of that, which is what I w- wanted to look at in doing this exercise. Sure. Because 
tight end three through 20 are within two and a half points. Right. You can really, if you draft the 20th tight end off the board, or, or your, the, the tight end you draft mm-hmm. finishes 20th, you're still going to be, if you pair him with a guy like Tyreek or Devontae Adams, yeah. you're still even with the Kelsey and the combo of guy that you took. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're going to hit on guys. You're going to miss on guys. Kelsey is not ever going to be a miss, but neither is Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams. I don't think it's going to take a lot of talking into for – it's not going to take us a lot to talk people in Travis Kelsey. Talk me into why I should draft like a Darren Waller or George Kittle, though, in that second to third round, most likely in the second round. What – like, are they are they as valuable as Kittle or, or as, as Kelsey, like – what is it? I like them more because they're a little bit cheaper. Okay. I think Darren Waller last year, maybe what he had, 30 points less than Kelsey. Sure. I mean, that's like a point, point and a half a game. So Almost two points a game. Right, so two points a game. And then you look at the Devontae Adams that you would have taken in Kelsey's spot, pair him with Waller as opposed to Kelsey and the third rounder that you're going to get. Whoever that third round receiver is, could be a Godwin or a Metcalf or somebody. Them with Kelsey is not Waller with Devontae Adams. That's not even close. No, if you if you were able to get a Waller and a Devontae Adams, and you will, if you take Waller in this in sure the end of the second round, that's where Metcalf is going. That's where Justin Jefferson. These guys like yeah yeah they had great years. They're big names. They're going to be great for a while. You're talking in the third round or in the second round? In the third round. Where's Waller going right now? Start of the third, right? Uh, he's going towards like the middle of the second. Kittle's going at the end of the second, beginning of the third. Yeah, so so sleeper might be a little higher at Fantasy Pros. I'm on Fantasy Pros, which yeah, we've got Darren like Waller with an ADP of 22. George Kittle um, and uh, different sites pulled together, but yeah, sleeper is usually for the more advanced players, which there that's definitely our major market. So yeah. It, even then, though, I think at the end of the second round, when you're looking at the receivers there or the running backs there, th- who are those running backs going to be? Those are going to be like CEH, sure. Najee. Those are the end of the second round guys. You pair them with a Devontae Adams Tyreek. There's no reason to go Kelsey in the first. In my opinion, yes, it looks awesome on your roster. There's going to be a lot of Sundays where you're so happy you took them. But just numbers wise, the combo that it's going to take that he's going to cost you, I don't think is worth it. And it may, that's not a hot, that's not a, a popular opinion, but it's something that my eyes are opening to. Yeah. I think, I don't think it's a super hot take. Honestly, I think, again, d- we're more or less debating roster construction at this point. If you're at the beginning of your draft, yeah, just it, are they worth the ADP? Sure. If you're at the beginning of your draft, imagine getting to, you know, take a CMC and then, you know, you, you might not get a, you know, a, a Devontae Adams, but you can also get that huge positional advantage of getting a George Killer, Darren Waller at the end of the second, and then still being able to pair him with a guy like DK Metcalf. The the value kind of speaks for itself. You have, uh, you know, you'd have a killer player at each position group, and then you can just kind of build off of there. You have a very va- balanced team. There's some appeal there. Yeah, I think it's it's very useful. I think we should do this for more positions when we look at the their ADP, what it's going to cost you if you had passed on that position at this point. Just a little bit deeper analysis of, oh, this is the round that they should be going. Why is that? 
what is that costing you a couple rounds later? Sure. Obviously, it's going to be affected by what you've already drafted, but just looking at it from a bird's eye view, are these guys worth it? I think doing this, we saw, or we learned, I learned just from doing the research about it, I had no idea that tight end three and 20 were within three points of each other. That changes my mindset on all those guys. Sure. For people who know that if you miss out, if, you know, obviously there's only three of them. So if you miss out on one of these tight ends, wait, <laughs> wait, you know, right. Scoop up all the value in the middle rounds, rounds, you know, four to, to eight, you know, seven, eight. And then you can start picking up whatever tight end you feel that, you know, you favor the most, whether it's a Tunyon, a Fant, maybe it's Logan Thomas, um, what, whoever it is, you can wait. You know, you don't, again, this all started with TJ Hawkinson right. and Mark Andrews. Fine players, but their ADP, their production is probably replaceable later in the draft, especially in this year. You know, there's there's always years where you've got these tight ends coming in. Again, a tight end that we haven't talked about, oddly enough, is Kyle Pitts. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say, he's going to say, Kyle Pitts. We haven't we haven't talked about him at all. and I have no idea what to expect yeah. other than I'm excited. I'm excited because, man. It, Could it, he be Darren Waller? Could when, he be Kittle? When he got dra- when he was drafted, you know, obviously all the you know draft Twitter blows up. Everyone's talking about how he's going to be the next, you know, great thing. And obviously my first reaction was, cool the jets we haven't seen him play yet but then i get to to thinking more and more conceptually kyle pitts is in a unique situation where they drafted him at with premium premium draft capital and he is a tight end but he's closer to a wide receiver than any of the other tight ends i've seen granted if we talk about tj hawkinson he's a pol- he's he is a polished route runner as well i think if you're if you're high on Hawkinson because you think that he's the number one target on his team with Jared Goff throwing in the ball, nothing against Jared Goff, you have to you have to probably be just as excited about, at worst, the second. I don't think he's the third option on the Falcons, not behind Russell Gage. If he could, can we agree that we that he could overtake Russell Gage? Early sure. to mid season. I'm expect yeah, I'm expecting that early, early. And that that team, again, we've talked about this in other episodes where that team's going to throw at least four to four and a half you know, four thousand five hundred yards and that's a seventeen game season. That guy, he's going to I think he he has a legitimate chance to get over a thousand yards. It's gonna year. it's gonna be close. It's, it's going be close. to be He's it's probably a floor of 800. Sure. I, I used to say six or seven. I think I'm probably up he's, to eight now. He's new. He's polarizing. This is a guy. Yeah. We're, I don't know who where. I want to look right now, and I want to see where Pitts is going, and I want to see where he's going in. Probably too high. He, holy cow. He's going in the – okay, he is going in the fifth round. So he's going there too right – Too high. He's going there with Andrews. He's ah, – he's mm. – He's, He's going to have to prove me wrong. For me for me to take him over Deontay Johnson, sure. T. Higgins, Cooper Cup, he's going to have to prove me wrong first sure. or prove that he's worth that. I because I, I'm not going to take him over those guys. I can't do it. Look, we're I want to play we're going to play a game now be, because Those guys are league winning sure, type absolutely. players. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I had Deontay Johnson on quite a few teams last year. 
over Andrews and Hawkinson, I'm probably and this this is crazy. I'm this is probably the first time I've said this. I'm probably more excited about Pitts than I am about those guys yeah. because yep. just the we already p- know what we're getting from. Oh those my guys. goodness, it's it's such a it's such a potential. It's it's a polarizing argument because it could very well just be a straw man's argument where it's like, oh, but he's you know, opportunity. I hate the opportunity argument. I hate the vacated targets argument. But dang it, someone has to catch the ball in Atlanta, yeah. and they only brought in. That's one, what happens when Julio Jones leaves. One it's legitimate weapon. That's a hole. It don't get me wrong. Like I don't remember. I could look up to see how many targets Julio Jones had, but all of those targets are not going. A thousand. He had a thousand targets. It was close to a thousand. Yeah, a thousand <laughs> targets. At least the weeks that he played against me it was really close to a thousand. Right, <laughs> but. That's not, what it feels like, at least. All of those aren't going to go just to him. You know, Calvin Ridley's going to lead the, the team in targets, and Lord help Kyle Pitts. Probably the league. Yeah, if if Calvin Ridley gets injured, and what is going to happen to Kyle Pitts? Because that dude is going to the moon, whereas TJ Hawkinson can Well, I most, think as a defensive coordinator, if Ridley's off the field, I'm just going to put my best guy on Pitts yeah, and have a Pitts, <laughs> and then, <laughs> just kidding. Even then, he'll still get open. We're not going down that road again. I can, this is turning into to such a Kyle Pitts fanboy club right now <laughs> because I, I wasn't yeah. in the club for the longest time, but I come in and I see they've got jackets. I'm like, I don't want to leave. <laughs> This is nice. Have you seen the highlight film that's always on the wall? Have on the you guys screen? seen? Have you seen the highlights? Have you seen them? You're gonna get hypnotized by it. You're not gonna be able to move. It's so he's so good. You watched. You I want to look at. I want to look at Pitts a little bit more and see. I, I, he's probably not gonna be after doing this exercise. He's probably not gonna be worth where he's going because you're passing on the guys that but, we talked but, about. But but Travis. But Travis. But Travis. But what if? Could he get but there? But what if? But what if he gets? But what if? Okay, this is all the There's people the on what Twitter. If. That's why he's this going. Is, we so are high. in what if Twitter right now. What if he does though? But what if he I'm does? I'm sick of what if Twitter. <laughs> we, that, dude, we, I can't wait for week one. We interact with what because if after Twitter. week one, we know everything that's going to happen the whole year. <laughs> that is <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness! And, it, and then after week two. Yeah, you, you reach out to a team that's zero and two, and shits hit the fan. Yeah, and their and season is to, over. It's over. Take all my players. I, and Lord, if they're one and th- if they're zero and three, Travis, fire sale. They want out of the league. They want out of the league. I want my money back. This is not what I signed yep. up for. Okay, it's DJ rigged. Chark is crap. <laughs> all right, we got to wrap up this tight end episode. We're getting a little uh, excited about week one here. We're getting a little. We're getting a little slap happy. We're getting really close. We're three weeks out of week one again. TJ Hawkinson as ADP. Bye bye. Do not touch fragile. Kyle Pitts. Yes. 101 overall. No well, argument there. <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Losing Sucks. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Losing Sucks. Losing Sucks.